In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Happy birthday, birthday lady. It's your birthday here in Australia. Are you excited for your birthday? (laughs) No. Uh, I'm too old. (laughs) It's not that exciting anymore. (laughs) Well, that's just a real bummer. (laughs) But thank you. I appreciate it. But no, I mean, I you're turning for birthdays like you're turning 24. Shouldn't that be a big deal? <laughs> that is true. Um, it is fun to be turning 24. Um, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Yeah. Um, it is exciting. Yeah. I mean, um, where will this? I will look the a Amy... worse for the wear. <laughs> where will the but... 24-year-old Amy rocket ship be jetting off to in its future. Who's to say? Who knows? Yeah. Well, not not to another planet, I'll tell you that much because I know you I, hate another planet. It's true. <laughs> um, but actually what I was but, really going to ask you to kick off today was um like do you have any Feelings about Wes Anderson movies? Uh, n- no, mainly because I feel like I'm I'm not fully sure what all they are. Mm. Like I, I don't I I know. Tell me a couple of them, and I'll tell you how I feel. <laughs> um. Okay. I am, I'll say that I am not much of a fan of them, so I don't have a, like, super hor- extensive hor- list to refer to, but, yeah. um, like some horror-y, of the... They're, like, right? No, no, I don't think he's done any. Um, no, Wes Anderson no? is, like, oh. the Royal Tannenbaums is a famous one of his. Oh. Um, The okay. Life Aquatic... With Steve Zissou is one of his. The Darjeeling okay, okay. Limited is one. The of Grand his. Budapest. Yes. Okay. That. Okay. Thing. Okay. I'm looking. I'm looking. I could have just done this myself and just looked. Um, <laughs> here's what I'll say. I was thinking of someone else when you said Wes Anderson. Like my first. Are you thinking of Wes Craven? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that yes. Makes sense. And I do like Wes Craven, not the question, but I do like Wes Craven. <laughs> um, Wes Anderson, I'm going to go ahead and say I've not really seen any of these, to okay. be perfectly honest. All the ones I'm seeing, um, yeah, I've literally never seen, like, any of I've not even seen the Royal Tenenbaums, and I know, like, 
That's the one that I would have figured if you had seen seen any of them, that might be the one. Yeah. Yeah. And it is the one out of the, this that I'm looking at that I would be the most interested in. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've literally not seen in this whole entire list of his movies. I've not seen a single one. So my, um, my opinion on him is not going to be, you don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) That's I'm really, I had not expected that because I kind of thought that like, whether you like Wes Anderson or not, they've been movies that have been kind of hard to ignore or avoid, although you have managed to do it. Um, I've done it. I'm kind congrats. of congrats. The, the other two that I would be interested in, besides Royal Tannenbaums, which I know, like, I don't know why I never watched it. Like, I I don't know. Well, the other ones I'd be interested in would be The Grand Budapest Hotel and uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, I have watched both of those, and I would say, don't bother. Um, okay, I won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you. this is the thing. This is now your thing. This can be one of your things, is you can tell people. I like it. I've never seen, and I literally do not know anything about Wes Anderson movies, and a lot of people are going to be like, what are you talking about? Um, I know, I'm going to get a lot of hate from a lot of what I'm going to guess are... Um, hipsters. <laughs> correct, correct. And they will be men. Um, and they will be men. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all, all the yeah, haters in the world are men. I, I grew into an opinion of not liking Wes Anderson movies because, mm-hmm. and, the, and this will like tie in as to why I'm talking about this. To, we are not talking about a Wes Anderson movie today, folks, just FYI. Um, yeah, because actually it looks like he's got one from this year called Asteroid City. Right, and I do not want to see that. I've seen the trailer for it. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> like the uh, so I would say Royal Tannenbaums is kind of what like put Wes Anderson on the map, and uh-huh. what I think people like about his movies initially, or what he got kind of noticed for initially, was that his movies felt like an Instagram filter before there was an Instagram filter. And in particular, what was interesting about his movies, um, at least the early ones, I don't think this newest one, Atomic City, would even remotely be like this. But um, a lot of those early movies, especially Royal Tannenbaums, it was like you couldn't tell what year it was because there were elements from all kinds of eras put together in one place. Um, Yeah. I would also say these movies, though I've never seen them, but literally just looking at the, all the cover art and stuff, I imagine the look of them to be very like (laughs) sepia toned in a way. Yes. Yes. Um, Especially his early ones were like that. Yes. And that's definitely like an Instagrammy, like yeah. when that was like the only filter, people were like, love it, live it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is like the reason why I don't care for Wes Anderson movies is that I think that those like aesthetic choices overshadowed mm-hmm. the fact that he basically wrote the same story about a dozen times mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. 
And particularly what I didn't like about his storytelling decisions was there was always like some manic pixie dream girl thing happening (laughs) where like, first of all, there would only ever be like a female character and she would be that. And there would be, you know, at least one boy who was quite clearly like Wes Anderson's alter ego who was like mooning over this girl, you know. And I was like, this, the look is great. Like I, I accept that he's really great at creating like a world, I like visually, Uh but the stories are boring AF. Like I just don't, Mm. but the point is. That's interesting. I found myself being drawn into the the same kind of feeling that I have in a Wes Anderson movie of like, this is an interesting world, like the movie we're talking about. This is an interesting world mm-hmm. that we're seeing. I couldn't tell what year it was supposed to be. The, that was going to be one of my questions. The, like, the decision of the director and... Um, like, whoever is involved in, like, the set decoration and stuff, I thought it was really interesting to see. And even some of the film, like, the filming itself looked like it was a movie that was filmed in, like, 1998. You know, like, mm-hmm. there were some interesting visual choices that, to me, were very reminiscent of watching a Wes Anderson movie in that way, where it's, like, there's interesting elements that are kind of making this feel... I could see that... And it had a sepia look. (laughs) It did. It did have that as well. So anyway, welcome everyone to see you next week in space. I am Sarah Walsh and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you reveal what we're talking about today? Well, we are talking about a movie that I don't know if it, it just started coming up as like advertised for me recently on, I was about to say Facebook, yikes, on Netflix. (laughs) Um, and it is from this year, uh, obviously it's called They Cloned Tyrone. I don't know Mm -hmm. exactly. Do you know exactly when it was released? It's pretty brand new, isn't it? It's, it came out like in July. It's very new. Yeah. 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 Um. So that's it. Yeah. So They Cloned Tyrone, the IMDb description is a series of eerie events thrust in an unlikely trio onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy in this pulpy mystery caper. Um, And I would say that that is an accurate description of what we see in this movie. Um, So this movie was written by... So it's written and directed by the same person, which is Joelle Taylor, um who hold on let me see i can't tell if joelle is a man or a woman i guess maybe it doesn't matter um uh ah appears to be a man um (laughs) and so what is interesting about this yeah um and tony rettenmeyer also wrote uh the screenplay With Joelle Taylor. Um, And what is interesting about this particular movie is that the screenplay was optioned off something called The Blacklist in 2019. And The Blacklist is a set of screenplays 
that um, are like kind of circulating throughout Hollywood. Um, and I don't know enough about how like li actually how movies get made, for example, but like, so I don't know precisely how this works, but basically there's this blacklist of scripts that people like. Like, I mm -hmm. guess industry people all say like, oh, we like this and they make this list of movies that they like and the list kind of grows and grows and then studios or whoever will like go into that list of already pre-existing material and then maybe decide like, oh, we like this one. We're going to, we're going to make this one. Um, and so I don't know how long the script for oh my this. God, this director guy is young yeah well he's two years younger than you that's that's a 22 years old remember <laughs> oh correct then he would be he's barely a very born. very he's young. a child um he's very very youthful yes uh so anyway the blacklist is this space where a lot of the screenplays that exist there are by, like, unknown people. Mm. Um, and so this has this is, like, Joelle Taylor's first movie, first directing role, etc. Yeah. Um, because it comes up off this blacklist. That's um, cool. I like that. Yeah, and it's called The Blacklist because the guy who put it together um, originally uh, is a black guy who was working in Hollywood, um, and they get released kind of, so it's been, it's existed since 2005, um, and they're released every year, um, of a mm. list. And so, and so because it's a black guy who originally put it together, most of the talent on the list tends to be non-white and I think probably mostly mm. black, but not exclusively. Um, mm -hmm. and so this is off that list. Um, and specifically, this was inspired by um, the black exploitation films of the 1970s um, and mm. is trying to kind of incorporate a variety of different genres into one, um, but probably mostly kind of mystery, horror, and science fiction. Although I, I would actually say probably mm. mostly mystery and science fiction. Horror is only just mm -hmm. a bit there. Um, yeah. And so uh, this was filmed in and around Atlanta, uh, which I was also wondering as well um, when I watched this because I know that it's interesting because it both wants to... Do they to, make it clear? Not necessarily, but then sometimes mm. when they talk about, like Yo-Yo in particular will talk about going other places, doing other things. And like, I, even though they don't specifically say it, it's Atlanta, I was like, well, I think it's gotta be the South. Like, okay. um, just cause like her points of reference were like other cities like Memphis and stuff. She talks okay. about Memphis a lot. So I was like, okay. okay. Um, and I think the other thing I was feeling like I was struggling with was like, sometimes I had to put on subtitles for the movie, not only because what you said in our production call of like the volume changing really dramatically at different moments. Yeah. Um, but also like there was so much like 
slang that I wasn't yeah. familiar with that I like yeah. had to like at some points where I was like, I know I'm missing something important and it's because <laughs> I am not familiar with these words. And so I need to have the subtitles so that I can understand what and, is happening. And so what I'll say yeah, is and that like, right there. Oh, I was just going to say that right there is the difference between te- between you and me because I too was having that problem and I just went, okay, <laughs> I don't get it. I'm not going to do anything to remedy the fact that I don't get it. I feel well, I've missed something, but. That's your prerogative. But what I was going to say <laughs> is like, because like, just like anything, like, I think, well, in fact, I'm fairly positive. If we were black Americans, we would have picked up on it, them being in Atlanta area a lot faster because of the type of slang that they used. Oh, maybe. Um, but anyway, in terms of the cast, this is a pretty heavy hitter cast, which is one of the reasons why I suggested this and also my hopes that I would start getting out of choosing jail and pick something better. Um, So the main characters are this trio of Fontaine, Slick Charles, and Yo-Yo. Fontaine is played by a 31-year-old John Boyega, uh, who is actually a British actor. So, you know, um, doing it. Oh, he's the Star Wars guy. He's He's Finn in Star Wars. Doing an excellent American accent, as far as I could tell. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I recognized him, and I was not putting it together. Yeah. Hmm. Um, And he's, like, I hadn't quite realized just how many Star Wars movies there have been since his, like, his, the first time he appears was in the one from 2015, and he's been in, like, I mean, I know this isn't actually possible, but it looked like eight or nine more Star Wars things since. What? Um, I know it's not eight or Wait, nine, but it is that can't like be right. two or three. Like, there's a lot more Star Wars that have happened that's still, than that's I still realized. More. Yeah, that's still more than there should be. Yeah. Um, but that's a my opinion. Yeah, and just before this, uh, like his credit just before this one is The Woman King, um, which... Looks kind of interesting as well. It's about like kind of the fall or like the ending of one of the more powerful uh, African um, kingdoms in the face of like, I think it's in the face of like French colonization of like Central Africa. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Viola Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we have Slick Charles, played by a 56-year-old Jamie Foxx, who I know that black don't crack, but, like, I, I was like, 56? He is looking great. You know, uh, he, uh, he looks <laughs> the literal same as, I mean, I've seen him in lots of stuff, obviously, but, like, I'm, like he looks pretty much the same as he looked when he was in Ray, which is like from 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. Um, and like he looks the same as he looks in The Truth About Cats and Dogs, which is like 25 or 30 years ago. <laughs> like, and 
And, like, I know he's, like, very recently had, like, a a bad, like, health thing that's been unclear, like, what it was. So, hopefully. Oh, right. I, I think, I think, oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm just looking this video of him post whatever this hospitalization Situation. is. Yeah. Um, and he looks, he maybe looks a little bit more older in this, but still quite good for someone who has just gone through some type of medical situation. whatever it is, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm seeing the photos you're talking about as well. He just looks, yeah, he just looks he a just bit looks, skinnier and yeah, maybe like a little pale. Yeah, just like a little bit less um you know, his skin looks a little less um glowy. I don't know. That sounds yeah. like a weird thing to say, yeah. but like just a little thicker, quite frankly. Yeah, but he which, still looks good. Yeah. Like I've never which, looked that good on my best day and he's <laughs> fifty five and like not like having a health situation. Indeed. And hopefully, I don't, yeah, it's not clear to me what the health issue is, and it's not our business to know, so that's fine. They've Uh, not, like, I mean, he's out of the hospital, and I think he's technically out of the, uh, who knows. They've been very cagey. I don't, that is one thing I don't understand about whatever it was. He collapsed, like, on a set, I believe, and the family, like, really kept a tight lip about what the actual diagnosis was, but there were times... Yeah, there was, like, a, a brief period where they were saying, like, it's not looking good. Like oh, there, there I was didn't a scare realize that, like, that. He might die. Yeah, it was weird. Oh, wow. And it's the, it's been weird that they're, they haven't, like, confirmed what it was. So, yeah. anyway, he yeah, does look I'm, great in this movie, and he is uh, an attractive man. Yeah. I Yeah, everything that I'm seeing online is, is not saying... They're just calling it. it like I don't think there's a anything. medical complication. That's all. Yeah. Um, there. I don't think there's any definitive answer out there about what it was. Yeah. Um, Which is strange to me, but whatever. Some people can lock it up, I guess. Um, well, good. Then I. I wonder if this might have been one of his last things he filmed before having this issue whatever it was yeah, I don't know and I'm not sure um, what he was filming when it happened I forget but yeah he looks he looked great I mean and he's got yeah. like a fun kind of um hairdo how I don't know what you call the hairdo Indeed. he has in this movie I don't know what I'd call but, it either <laughs> but it, it is like but it looked like very it, it makes high it yeah it's a very high it's very high but hair. then one half of it's not as high Right, it's like it right, like it's looks, like asymmetrical. Yeah, it, it looks like a a very high pompadour, but yeah, cut out of but, black hair, and then a very long set of mutton chop sideburns yes. as well. Um, it's quite a vibe for sure. Um, and I mean, but he was I'll, supposed to be a pimp, correct? Yes. He absolutely was supposed it's, to be a pimp. So that, like, you know, if anyone's looking for, like, a visual in their head, it's, it's like, yes. just imagine a pimp from the 70s, and, like, that's pretty much what yeah. he looks like. Yeah, I mean, that's the black exploitation of it all, is, like, he is yeah. um, Huggy Bear. He is all of those things that you've seen from that stuff. Um, I will say that 
Um, he started out doing stand-up, and his real name is actually Eric Marlin Bishop, but he chose Jamie Foxx as his stage name because, a, like, I guess when he was getting into stand-up, he felt like women's names got more mic time at open mics, which I've, I'm Whoa. I'm not sure I believe that or not, but, like... I don't either. That was his impression, apparently. And so he started using the name Jamie Foxx to be, like, not... To have it not be clear who he was, um, mm. whether, like... I like that. I mean, yeah. I like an androgynous name that could be, like, we don't know. But I will say Marlon Bishop would actually... Eric maybe is boring, but, like, Marlon Bishop, I think, would actually be a good name in show business. Yeah, I, yeah it certainly has, like, a regal quality to it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as well as anybody who often maybe decides to change their name for professional reasons, um, not only does Jamie Foxx sound androgynous, it also doesn't evoke a certain racial profile. And if it does anything, I it's a white so. one. Um, so that I probably so. also, I imagine, would have been a thing. Because like, much as I enjoy the name Marlon Bishop, I think that would make people think probably that's a non-white person. Um, Whereas Jamie Foxx is like, yeah, that's probably a white girl, honestly. So... Real, that's so interesting. Jamie Foxx, to me, also sort of sounds like a... Like a stripper name or a yes. porn star name, a little Correct. bit. Correct, yes. especially the fact that he—it's double does X, it with two X's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed. Um, and he's been in a million things. We've all seen them. Uh, I mentioned my favorite truth about cats and dogs, uh, and by my favorite, <laughs> I mean it's one of my top napping movies of ever. Um, you know, oh, you didn't write my favorite. You didn't write my favorite role of his, which is and. That would be he played motherfucker Jones in Horrible Bosses. <laughs> oh, perfect! <laughs> I actually do love him in that movie. It's quite funny. Um, so you know he's the top star in this, without a doubt. And then finally, <laughs> the final piece of the trio is Yo Yo, played by a thirty-six-year-old Tiana Paris, um, who has. Like, really, I she kind of jumped onto the scene really fast. Like, she was in the Dear White People movie in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then quite a number of episodes of Mad Men. And then now is playing the MCU character Monica Rambeau, um, who was first appeared in WandaVision, but, like, is now kind of, like, appearing in all a bunch of other MCU stuff. And then she's also been in the recent remake of Candyman. Um, I think that's where I saw her because she was, I was she was so familiar to me, but I couldn't really, um, yeah, picture what I had seen her in. I was having a similar thing, and then for me, I realized it was Wandavision that was where yeah, I, I knew her from. I feel like I watched enough. Yeah, I've watched like a couple of those or one of those, but I don't think enough where that's what it was. Yeah, so she, also I want to say. That character doesn't come in, I think, until more like episode three-ish of WandaVision. Oh, okay. Yeah. I also want to say that I looked it up and she's in that movie called Chirac, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, or Chirac. I don't know how to pronounce it, but... 
I think it's supposed to be Chirac because it's supposed to be like Chicago, Iraq, I think. Oh, but I don't got know it. For sure. Got it. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know. I, and I don't think I watched that whole movie because it's like one that's kind of a bummer. But, but she was very familiar. She's got a face where it's like, yeah. it, it's good for, she's got a good actor face because I feel yes. like she's recognizable. Yeah, for sure. It's like and blendable at the same time. Yeah, it's like strong features. I don't know how I would put mm-hmm. it, but I know what you're talking about. Also, her hair yeah. for most of this movie was very similar to how her hair is in WandaVision. And so that's also why I was oh. like, I know I've seen this lady. I just can't quite okay. figure out where. Um, yeah. And that's all we really need to know for this movie is these three people. Although we do get some interesting appearances by both Kiefer Sutherland and David Allen Greer. Um, oh, Yeah. I will mention as we get to them. Um, So the movie kicks off with a little kid riding his bike through a neighborhood. Um, The little kid I learned, I could not tell this from the movie, is called Junebug, um, which I love as a nickname for a kid, like Junebug. Like, I don't know, something about (laughs) it is fun. Um, And Fontaine and Junebug, like... I guess I wasn't entirely sure of their relationship, but I think uh, Junebug was one of his kind of, um, how would I put it? I don't know enough about drug dealing to have the right lingo, but like um, oftentimes drug dealers will have younger kids actually be the ones to like, quote unquote Dude. sell the drugs because if they get yeah. caught they won't get in as much trouble um and i think people are probably less likely to like shoot a kid or rob a kid right maybe? but it's 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 mostly about the the legal issue of like if they get caught oh like delivering my product they're not going to get in as much trouble as an adult would um and then i think okay. as well that's kind of sad in its own way yeah, and so there's that, and then as well, I think, in addition to those kids who are, like, the drug-handling ones, I think they also have kids kind of on their payroll who they're like, just have a look around. Like, just keep watching, like, um, yeah. and and let me know if so-and-so ever does this play thing or, like, walks to that place, yeah. you know, or whatever it is. And and I so I got the impression yeah. that that's what Junebug was, is Junebug was, like, his informant who told him what was going on. They also could, yeah, they also could be like, um, they showed this in Breaking Bad, (laughs) like where a kid um, who is sort of like working for the drug dealers might be like a sort of weird like gang initiation thing almost. Right, yeah. Like showing your, you know, showing your, um, what's the word, you know. Loyalty to this like group of people or whoever. Yeah. So in this case, Junebug basically lets Fontaine know that there's some kind of kerfuffle between him and one of the rival dealers in the Glen, which is the name of this neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. oh, Fontaine and Junebug drive over to where this other dealer likes to do his business. Um, Fontaine hits the guy with his car, um, to which, I mean, Junebug, this actor who plays Junebug is great because he's sitting drinking, um, what are those 
What's the juice that comes in the silver pouch called? Capri Sun? Capri Sun. Yeah, so he's Mm -hmm. drinking a Capri Sun, and he watches Fontaine hit this guy, and then he's like, that boy dead? (laughs) He's like so nonplussed by what's just happened. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Fontaine takes the money from this rival dealer, uh, gets back in the car, pays Junebug his money, um, and then endeavors to begin his daily routine, which starts out at the store, cleverly called Got Dranks. Um, <laughs> I like that, actually. Yep. It's Got Dranks, apost- not apostrophe, exclamation point. Got Dranks, exclamation point. I love that. <laughs> um, I actually love any any business name with an exclamation point I'm into. I know. Like, dry cleaners. Boom. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's crazy. That would be a crazy one because it's like, whoa, calm down. We love our business so much. Um, (laughs) And so uh, Fontaine's daily routine seems to include stopping by Got Dranks to get uh, a 40 and some scratchers. Um, And there's this guy who sits outside of the convenience store. An old guy. I'm trying to figure out if I could, what his name is. Oh, yeah. His name is Frog. Um, of course. Frog sits outside, got drinks all day, and seems to be just mostly talking nonsense. So, like, when Fontaine is leaving the store, he pours a little bit of his 40 into Frog's cup. And then in response, Ooh. Frog says, it's in the water, young blood," And... You know, at the moment, you're like, that doesn't mean anything, but it comes to mean something later, which is why I'm saying. Um, Back at Fontaine's house, he's hanging out. His buddy comes over to drop off the cash that's been collected. I'm not sure if it's from the day or for the week, um, but it's hidden in a pizza box. Um, Mm -hmm. And the count is light. Whatever money is supposed to be there is not there. Um, and so Fontaine go, asks what's gone on. And there's this one dealer of his who has, like, gone missing, basically. And nobody entirely knows where he is. So um, That's Fontaine... Concerning. It is concerning. And, I, and this... It never quite... This part of the start of the story never quite circles back. I'm not sure if that dealer really was missing or if the dealer turned out to be a clone or what, but like, and this is also where I should have probably put on the subtitles earlier because I was like, what is the connection between this missing dealer and why Fontaine goes over to Slick Charles's house? Like, I couldn't quite figure out the connection there, but... Fontaine mm-hmm. basically decides that the person who en- who owes him the missing money is Slick Charles. So he drives over to Slick Charles's house, which is in a motel. Um, before Fontaine gets there, Yo-Yo and Slick Charles get into a big fight. Um, because as you say, Slick Charles is a pimp. I guess he's Yo-Yo's pimp. Um Although that's not entirely clear. Um, Yeah. 
And she has had enough. I'm not sure of what she's had enough, but she's had enough with like Charles and she's leaving. And um, there, the, the argument they have is really funny because she's like, you know what I can do? You know what I can do? One of my clients, uh, when I, you know who I see Thursday, Tony, who I see on Tuesdays, he told me I can get into blockchain and I'm going to get into blockchain. <laughs> and like, she's like What's losing her mean? mind. There's something about like Bitcoins and blockchain oh. and somehow you like, oh, you, you can like, how would I, I don't even know enough about it, but it's something where like you spend some amount of time. It's like Bitcoin though. Uh, no, it's, but it's like connected oh. to it. Let me see if I can find a way to explain it that isn't totally nonsensical because I am not good Is at it. Is it like an NFT thing? No. Okay. Um, yeah. Block, okay, so blockchain.com is a cryptocurrency. Um, okay. And the company is first. Okay. Um, so basically, you can... Yeah, I'm not going to be able to explain this very well. Don't explain um, it. It's fine. Some type. It's some it type is, of crypto. It's situation. connected to crypto, and you you can like amass more value the more time okay. you put into it, sort of thing. So she's like okay. going off about how she's going to do blockchain, <laughs> and that's going to be her new thing because Thursday Tony, <laughs> who she sees on Tuesdays, um, told her about it. Um, yeah, so that's the thing is there are these funny, oh my God, like, wait a second though. You know what's on. funny about that? I mean, that is, that is funny, but what's funny about that is <laughs> I can, like the dude who would, you know, not to shame anybody, but the dude who would pay a sex worker for sex is also a same dude who would try to sell you on some type of cryptocurrency. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and particularly he would be the guy who's being like this is the wave of the future. Like yeah. um and I think what he would be saying, he would be saying that in the context of can I pay you with crypto rather than actual yes. cash? And totally. Based on what I know about bro, yo-yo. I'm good for it. I'm good yeah. for it, bro. And based on what I know about yo-yo, she would be like absolutely not you pay in cash i don't care how big of a deal this blockchain thing is um i would hope i'm having to have that response <laughs> yeah. i really um, so hope. so she storms out a few minutes later fontaine bashes the door in basically and is like slick charles i need my money uh and as i wrote in my notes by hand i wrote they're at a business impasse. <laughs> like, <they> just... <laughs> That's accurate. Um, because I don't understand how to be a pimp and I don't understand how to be a drug dealer. So I don't understand like what the problem was that they were having, nor did I understand the negotiation that they came to some sort of conclusion where they were like, now we are fine. So I just described it yeah. as a business impasse. Um <laughs> And so they, like, settle down. Um, Fontaine leaves, but the car of the dealer that he hit 
with his car earlier in the day, drives up behind him. And this was rough. This was like an intense um, death for Fontaine. He gets shot like many, many times. Um, Yeah, okay, wait. Can we talk real quick about how what I thought was interesting (laughs) about this death? And I've never been shot before. But he didn't die right away. And he got, like, a lot. And I, th- I think that's accurate. Like, yeah. Like, he, he got shot in the chest, like, multiple times. Or yeah. in the, the belly or whatever. Um, and he, like, <laughs> was still pretty. He was fighting for a good, yes. like, minute or so. Yeah. Of trying to, like, back up his car. And, like, right. then, you know. Yeah. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, I agree. I had forgotten that, but it's true. Like, I, I, like, cause I could have sworn he got shot at least three to six times in, like, I think so. The chest, stomach area, and he was still going. Um, and then, yeah, something happened to where the one of the guys gets out of the car and just pops him in the head, and it's like, Oop, you're done. Yeah, um, then, then it's, there's no more fighting. But, like, right. but I thought, I feel like that's something they don't depict in movies very often. Right. I mean, well, and that's he the really whole... was, like, still. Yeah. I was like, are we going to watch, like, in real time how long it takes for someone to, like, die of a These uh, sucking, like, <laughs> belly wound or whatever it's yeah. called? Yeah, well, and I think that's true that, like, sometimes it's wild. Like, I think of this in the context of, like, true crime stuff I listen to. Because that, like, usually they don't depict it visually. But, like, if you listen to a true crime podcast, people will talk about, like, and then this happened and they were still alive. And then this happened and they were Mm -hmm. still alive. You know, um, even when it seems like the human body is very weak, Sometimes it's actually surprising how much it can live through. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's it's definitely case to case. Like, it seems like some people's bodies are, would succumb quicker. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I would die immediately. (laughs) Well, and also. Or maybe I just hope that I would. Yeah. And also. Other people, like. Yeah. Well, and also in this case, I assume probably he's got, like, some adrenaline going and some shock. So at first, you yes. might not even really feel it in the same way. You know, like, yes. you're just like, got to do something, got to do something. Um, but that's also, like, famously 50 Cent was someone who, like, got, who had that happen where he was shot, like, a bunch and survived, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, so. I mean, it is, I think it is. If we knew the statistics of the of people who'd been shot and survived, I think it's a lot higher than what you might imagine. Well, and I mean, all yeah. that would include a bunch of like grazing wounds and like right, leg wounds right. and because like, I was gonna say like wounds. getting shot could mean a lot of different kinds of yes, injuries. yes. Like, but I'd be curious, like like a shot to like a shot to the like central region of your body and surviving I'd be curious like because that seems harrowing (laughs) indeed so Slick Charles sees this whole thing go down 
So we're like, it's like we're barely into the movie and it seems rough. Cut to the next day. Fontaine wakes up in his house. Everything seems to be fine. Um, there's also kind of a Groundhog Day quality to some of this movie, and this is where this is happening. Um, he's out back on the street doing his usual shit. Um, but then when he's stopping by Got Drinks, Fontaine sees someone like weaving in the street with a big chest wound on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, a, and then this like massive black SUV speeds by and, and then the, per, the person disappears, like, and the yeah. SUV disappears as well. Um, back at the house, Fontaine tries to give his mom a sandwich that he's made for her, but she responds in some sort of indistinct voice that basically says she's not interested. She had already eaten elsewhere. Um, by the end of the day, Fontaine is back at Slick Charles's motel home and is like, you got to give me my money. And Slick Charles is like, whoa, 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 you're dead. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I thought this business impasse we were at had been solved by your disgusting and grisly death. <laughs> And in fact, I am bummed to see that you're alive. Yeah. And so needless to say, Fontaine doesn't know what he's talking about and thinks he's trying to like pull something over on him. And he's like, no, dude, you got your ass killed last night. I don't know what is happening right now. Um, And in this like dust up, Slick Charles is like, well, I wasn't the only one who saw it. Yo-Yo saw it too. So Fontaine is like, okay, well, then I guess we better talk to Yo-Yo. This it was one of my favorite, again, like little kind of, um, I don't know if jokes is the right word, but like um, cutaway, small talk sort of thing. Because when they meet, find Yo-Yo, she's out on the street talking to some guy through his window, offering things. And I wrote it down because I thought it was so funny. She's like... No David Carradine for 50 bucks. Most I can do for you is a Susan Sarandon, maybe a Michelle Obama. And I was like, what are these <laughs> things? What is, what is, yeah, um, what are, what are these orders? that Like, what's a David Carradine? Wait. wait, I think I know. Wait, hold on. Those, wait, they're, those, that's like, wait, hold on. I maybe wasn't paying attention. Those are things she says are on the menu of her like sex work business. Correct. Yes. Okay. David Carradine. I feel like I know the other two, Susan Sarandon and, and Michelle Obama. I do not know. David Carradine. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What did you think of David Carradine? is? I thought that his, I'm pretty sure he like died of this. I thought he was into like, uh, autoerotic asphyxiation. Um, I thought like he famously died of that and well, had he, like a weird. He did die on my birthday in 2009 in Thailand. So you might be right. <laughs> I thought that was like a thing. Like, um, so I feel like that's what that is. Let's see. Death I'm looking it up as well to see if I can figure out his. 
Carradine was found naked and hanged himself in the room's closet with a curtain cord. Police said he had been dead, blah, 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 blah. Oh, God. The police suggested the death might have been from accidental suffocation due to autoerotic asphyxiation. Boom, I am a genius. Oh, my God. Why do you remember that? Of all the things. You know, let's not talk about my memory and the things that I have recall of and the things that I don't, okay? Because it's quite, it's probably not good. Probably not. So, okay, so the David Carradine. That's what that's got to be. Yes, I I think you're right. So she's like, definitely not for 50 bucks. So presumably I need more money for that. Um, I don't know what a Susan Sarandon would be in terms of a sex act. Um, Me neither. Nor do I know what an, a Michelle Obama and I'm gonna guess that would be. <laughs> Me neither. This this is my guess. My best guesses for those for Michelle Obama, I would say like, as weird as this sounds, I would say like vanilla. Like yes, very basic, for sure. yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> like respectable. That checks like out. she's a respectable yeah. lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Susan Sarandon, I feel like could be a little bit freakier, a little bit more like sure. um, a, a little bit more hippie, uh, like tantric Kama Sutra, you know. Mm, but that's just maybe. a guess. Yeah, I like. I don't think that Michelle Obama know. has had any sort of a sex scandal. Um, I don't think I, so. I don't think so. I think so, that would be, I think it would be a big one if she did. So I really don't think so. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to put Susan Sarandon's sex scandal <laughs> and see if that helps us find anything. It could um, be that the, oh, it could be that they, that David Carradine thing was like a real thing. They knew people could figure out what that meant. And the other two were just like, let's put some like random ladies names yeah. that are like kind of. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I am not finding anything here (laughs) that suggests (laughs) that she has, that she's known for any particular sort of proclivity. Well, apparently, Um, yeah, I mean, apparently I'm an expert on, like, weird, um, (laughs) yeah, you would know if if she was associated with something you would know (laughs) and you don't know, so I think we're gonna go with that. yeah. Um, so she, like, anyway, even her delivery of this is really funny. So I was like, that's a good one. Um, when Fontaine and, uh, Slick Charles pull up on her, she loses her client. Um, and she gets correspondingly quite irritated. Um, but they're like, well, anyway, um, we'll like pay you for your time. Um, And basically, as soon as she gets into the car, she and Slick Charles start fighting again. They seem to be fighting most of this movie. Um, It's it's, at least it was never clear to me at any point what these arguments were about. Um, Yeah. But this is where we get the the first of two references to Kevin Bacon's Hollow Man is here. (laughs) Um, And uh, like... God, I wish I could remember the joke, but it's something like she says to f- somebody like, are you Kevin Bacon? Because you like disappeared. And then like Jamie Foxx, <laughs> Jamie Foxx starts laughing and Fontaine looks puzzled and she's like, hollow man, duh. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Um, so anyway, she does tell Fontaine that she's like, I heard the shots 
I saw you. I saw the guys like driving in after you. I saw them hightailing it out of there. You were dead. Like without a doubt, you were dead. Um, this is already quite a lot to take in for Fontaine, as one could yeah. imagine. But because he saw this black SUV earlier in the day, he now sees another one. And for whatever reason, he's like, we're going to follow this SUV. I feel like this is where answers are going to come from. Mm -hmm. So they follow the SUV to an old trap house. Um, So from the outside, it looks like a drug den, um, which is what trap Mm -hmm. house means in case you did not know. Um, mm-hmm. and as they go inside, what do they find that seems out of the ordinary for a drug den? I don't remember. Oh, so they're going through from room to room. Most of the rooms are empty. They get into one room and it's a break room, like an office break room with oh. like a shitty TV and a, like a coffee vending machine and like all <laughs> oh, this stuff. This part. And so they're like, what is this doing in a drug den? <laughs> like, um, you need even, you know what? Even when you're like a drug dealer, you need to take a break and have like a soda sometimes. I get it. But like, I just, I'm like, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't understand why you need sh- that shitty coffee in like just go down to the convenience store and get shitty coffee. It's fair. Um they with upon further investigation, they also find an elevator in this house that they decide to go down in. Um there's a good scene, well there's a good moment because Yo-Yo decides to take out her gun um because they, she doesn't know what's on the other side of the elevator doors. Um The two guys look at her like she's being nuts and then they kind of like shrug and are like, I guess we'll take out our guns as well. Um, (laughs) Because of course all of them have guns. Um, Right. And when they go down into the elevator, they end up in a kind of a semi-empty lab and Mm -hmm. there's this very weird guy there he looks strange because basically he's like a white guy with an afro um yeah and and not like what is kind of semi-regular where it's like a jewish person with an afro but this is like a very pale white guy with nappy black hair afro on top of his head yeah this is kind of weird but okay um yeah they they attempt to speak to him, but he's gotten quite, uh, what's the word, like agitated by their mm-hmm. presence. So he is not answering the questions that they want answered. Meanwhile, Charles sees a big pile of what he perceives to be cocaine on a um, counter. And so, of course, <laughs> he decides he's going to take some. Um <laughs> Because he also has the, like, cocaine fingernail. Did you notice that? Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. So he, like, takes uh, a hit of this stuff and then starts, like, laughing a whole bunch, like, uncontrollably. <laughs> um, meanwhile, uh, 
Fontaine is kind of roughing up this lab tech, and the lab tech is like, you know, there's nothing you can do. We're everywhere. And he's like, what are you talking about? And because Slick Charles is kind of hopped up, he accidentally shoots the lab tech, um, and they're like, we've got to get out of here. Um, I feel like this is something I've started to see more and more in a variety of movies that I don't expect it to, where like, like Shotgun Wedding was like this, where um, J-Lo's character in that movie kills like a number of bad guys in the movie. And she mm-hmm. like starts freaking out. She's like, I killed someone. I killed someone. Like, what am I? What? what? Like, um, and, and oh, also in that movie that we watched, The Lost City, where Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum's plan accidentally like beheads somebody and they're like oh yeah oh you know um <laughs> I feel like we're that kind of what I would describe as perhaps a more realistic reaction to being like I didn't mean for that to happen and then you just see someone like freeze and be like because <laughs> like at this point it's like Charles is like you okay, buddy? You gonna, you all right? Like, it's like, no, man, you killed him. He's dead. Like, um, and as they're about to leave, Fontaine finds the dead version of himself looking up off a table in a body bag. So they all freak out, which seems Mm -hmm. natural. Um, and they end up at Yo-Yo's house. Um, in her childhood room. I, I mean, I don't know if she still lives there or not. I guess she maybe still lives with her grandma in this childhood home. Um, and she is an exceptionally big Nancy Drew fan. So she wants to apply what she knows from Nancy Drew and figure this situation out. Um, and I think this is when she says, like, you know... Um, Nancy Drew, you think it's like all this crazy shit. And at the end, the reveal is just that it's plain old missionary and someone just wanted to get some money. And <laughs> and she's and so like I was like, okay, that's an interesting way of saying it's like a pretty standard mystery. She's like, missionary, boring, gross. Um so the next day, uh Fontaine goes back to the trap house with his boys um, and a bunch of guns, but they find nothing. Um, And in fact, Fontaine is like so rattled and seemingly upset. His like closest friend, the guy who also dropped off the money previously, is like, hey man, are you drinking enough water? Are you okay? And I also laughed at that because... That is my solution to most physical ailments. Like, if anyone ever says, like... You just drink oh, some not, water. Are you... Like, I'm not feeling great. I feel weird. I'm like, well, how much water have you had today? <laughs> That's all. I'm like, if you feel weird, probably it's that you need more water. Um, so, Fontaine comes back to Yo-Yo's house, tells her that everything from last night seemingly has been cleaned up. There's nothing there. And he asks what Nancy Drew would do. So she, she's like, That's oh, well. one of the jokes that made me laugh. I do remember <laughs> that. Um, and wisely, she's like, well, the first thing she would make sure of is, like, we got to have a lunch. Like, we got to start strong. So we're going to go <laughs> get some food. Um, 
So Slick Charles, Yo-Yo, and Fontaine go to, and this is another excellent business name, Goddamn Chicken Restaurant. Um, does that one have an exclamation point? Yes, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Um, and they specifically order something called the Hot Box Spicy Chicken, which whoa, I that want to have. Good. <laughs> yeah, I want yeah. to have that. Um, and so they start eating their chicken and talking about like what they think they're going to do, but all of a sudden. They start laughing uncontrollably. Even Fontaine and Slick Charles is like, I have never seen this guy laugh. I have never seen him. <laughs> he was a very laugh. serious guy. And and then so he and yeah, he Jamie Foxx plays it really well because he's like laughing and saying the same line over and over again. And then I don't remember how many times he says it, but then all of a sudden he's like, I have never seen this guy laugh and all of a sudden he's like the chicken's drugged stop eating that chicken (laughs) um because not only are they three laughing at their table like literally everyone in the place is laughing hysterically (laughs) while eating their chicken that is so creepy and weird it did look very like it was like um yeah, because you could see the shot. It was mostly focused on them, but you could see enough of the background of people like laughing maniacally. And it was like, oh, fuck, man. That is real unpleasant. That is off-putting. At. Like, I don't yeah. like that. Um, and then, and I think, yeah, Slick Charles realizes that they must be, some of the drugs that he, te- like he tried last night must be in the chicken mm-hmm. as well. Meanwhile... Um, so they're like, shit, now what do we do? And Yo-Yo is like, we snoop around. Clearly there's something going on here. And Nancy <laughs> Drew would say, snoop around. Um, so she then approaches the manager of Goddamn Chicken. And he <laughs> looks exactly like the lab tech. Um, and so she like follows, comes back into his office with him and is like sort of making out. Then she offers, now, I don't know if you might be familiar with this. Then she offers him a Shalimar. That's apparently another sex act available on her Okay, well, I don't know every, okay, let's be clear. I happen to know that David Carradine fact. (laughs) I don't know every (laughs) weird sex thing that there is. Are you sure? I've never heard of a Shalimar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I don't know. I mean, I knew that one fact. I don't know. Is a fancy perfume. If that's, but I don't know how that has anything to do with anything. I honestly feel like they were. Don't you think they're making some of this stuff up so that people like like us would be like, "What is that? I got to figure it out." (laughs) Probably, but I would like it if it were a thing that could be figured out. But um, yeah, so. Whatever it is, it's apparently quite special because the guy gets very excited by the prospect of a Shalimar. And so he, but she's like, oh, but like, can you freshen up or something before we do this? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 totally, 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 of course. So he leaves her alone in his office where she begins to snoop around. And that's when she finds 
that he's got a whole wall of CCTV camera feeds in his office. And he's also been like taking notes of reactions to different drugs in this uh, chicken restaurant. So she comes out of the office. She's like, we got to get out of here fast, fast, fast. They get back into the car and she's like, the cameras are all over the Glen and they're watching us. They're clearly experimenting on us. Um, and they also notice, like, there's a, as they're leaving the chicken restaurant, there's, like, a massive line to get in. Um, mm-hmm. And they also notice that there's a van of people that have just, like, dropped off some products. And they're like, okay, we're going to follow that van to figure out what's going on. Now... In, as they're in the car, Yo-Yo notices a photograph of a little boy in Fontaine's car. Uh, this is Fontaine's little brother, Ronnie, who tragically died as a child. Um, and I'm only saying this now because it will become important later. So just put a pin in that. Um, okay. They follow these vans around the Glen that are dropping off materials. They drop off perm cream to the salon. Um, they drop off grape drink to the church. Um, and Frog, who is sitting outside, basically directs them to go to the church and says that's where they will find answers that they need. Um the church when they show up at church um the whole congregation is all okay i figured out the shalimar i figured out the shalimar reference if you want to know it okay what is the reference well and it's specific to this movie it's well i mean so shalimar here refers to an american r&b and soul music band active primarily in the 1970s oh um, 1970s, God, why does it show like an, uh, 70s and 80s, since Yo-Yo creatively names her services after pop culture figures, she seemingly names one after the R&B group as well. Okay. So I think she's, she's, she's making up fake stuff. <laughs> well, maybe if you're on her client list, you know, you know what, what that refers one means. to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so when they um, thank you when they arrive at church, the entire <laughs> congregation is hepped up on grape drink, um, and this is where David Allen Greer appears. He is the pastor um, for this congregation, and like he, they also do a reference here. I forget which one of them says it. They talk about Jim Jones. Um, because of course, mm-hmm. people from have, uh, from Jonestown die because of a weird Kool Aid drink. Actually, it's not even Kool Aid; it's right. Flavor Aid. So things are getting really out of control at church. Um, and what I thought was interesting is so like David Allen Greer as the Reverend. The I wouldn't even call it a song that he's singing, but the thing he's saying over and over again is like it don't matter. And then he'll finish it off with like, it don't matter if you can't pay your rent. It don't matter if your son got 
shot and died. It don't matter. Like, and it gets worse and worse and worse, the things he's saying. <laughs> and as he's saying it, everyone is like dancing wildly and like literally like yeah. twerking up and down in church. And yeah. um, Jamie Foxx is like, I haven't been to church in a while, but something seems <laughs> off. <laughs> I will say, here's what I'll say. Yeah, that church seemed crazy. I don't know what was going on there. But I, I've never, that's a good line. I haven't been to church in a while. But the church is not my thing. Shocking. I, I've never, yeah, I don't, can you believe that? I've never been intrigued by church. What I will say is a black church, on the other hand, Seems could be fun. slightly more fun, possibly. Yeah, I still don't believe in the God part, but their songs are so right. much more. Um, I don't even want to say entertaining necessarily because they could also be just as dark. I mean, like religious sure. music is quite dark, but they are much more. Uh, energy I don't know what the word is like energy invoking or something yeah the ones in like white churches are very like ma ma like very monotone <laughs> and like yeah. just like not inspiring yeah um no I mean I think the it seems as though black church would be more fun or more engaging in some kind of way but yeah black church is also really effing long like you are at really is it for hours? Yes. Oh yeah, no that part I don't want. I want like a couple songs. I'm good. <laughs> I think like, church. I want. I want church should be three songs, and that's it. Like you come, you listen to three songs, you leave. <laughs> like that's yeah, I agree. All and like you need. I agree, and I mean like pastors and priests and reverends and whoever all want to do their sermons because, quite frankly. All of them, what they have in common is, like, a God complex of their own. Right. But you you keep that down to three minutes, tops. Max. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tops, yeah. three minutes. You get that. Three songs, three-minute sermon. Boom. We're good. Done. Half an hour, we don't... we're out. Yes. Perfect. In this case, they You're wait welcome. until... <laughs> I know. We've solved religion for you. Enjoy. <laughs> um... So in this case, they wait until the service is over and they come back to the church at night and they discover that there is yet another elevator in the church. Um, in this case, the elevator comes up out of the altar, which looked pretty cool. Um, that is cool. And so they get into the this new, different elevator and start going down. And this is another joke that I really liked. So they're in the elevator waiting to get down to wherever they're going. And Jamie Foxx mm. and Tiana Paris start singing Mary J. Blige's I'm Going Down. <laughs> and, um, which is one of her great <laughs> songs to begin with. Um, because I, I can't remember That's which funny. one of them starts I off. I not remember that part. Yeah, I can't remember which one of them starts it off, but one of them, it's like, you know, stand, everyone's standing quietly in the elevator, and all of a sudden, someone's like, I'm going down, baby. <laughs> and 
person. That's really um, funny. And then they start like modifying the words to be like, it's still like to the tune of that song, but it's like, I'm gonna find out a mystery. I'm going down. <laughs> um, Oh my gosh, wait, oh sorry, I really, I keep, I found this article that's like talking about certain Easter eggs in this movie, and, okay. or just, I don't know if they would call it that, but the song that uh, they do in the church, what's his face, What David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer, it says in this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it says, um, a local church where they, the mass begins with a regular gospel, but gradually picks up the pace and turns into a beat from juveniles back that thing up. Oh, I love that. That makes sense. I didn't notice sense. it, but I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's what people were doing, for sure. That's um, so funny. So they get down, They fought, the elevator doors open, and now they are just in a place that I referred to as underground. It's a big complex. Mm-hmm. Everyone down there seems to be wearing hazmat suits. So they accost some people in the bathroom to steal their hazmat suits. Um, And they start walking through this underground complex. And they see a variety of different types of experiments taking place um, to do with people's behavior. Um, Basically, what you also see is that, that... Everyone who is uh, a scientist or an experimenter in the facility is white. Everyone being experimented on is black. Um, There's also this big mural on the wall that you see that has a picture of a white scientist. And it says, unity starts here. Um, So it's all very concerning in a variety of ways. Mm. And when they go back into the bathroom... Uh, like, yeah, Yo-Yo is like, this isn't Nancy Drew missionary vanilla. This is like mint chocolate chip, the Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> basement, like shit. And then you're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, um, and so anyway, uh, both Yo-Yo and Slick Charles are like, we got to get out of here. Fontaine's like, mm-hmm. no, I want to, I want to figure out like why I saw myself. So they eventually find the very massive clone lab where there are copies of lots of people from the Glen. And not only are there, there's like multiple copies of people. Um, So Fontaine finds himself uh, and so does Slick Charles. They both have multiple copies of themselves down in this lab. Okay. Uh, quick question. Quick sure. interjection. Sure. What would you do? Oh, God. In a scenario like that, you somehow found yourself in a lab and found cloned versions of yourself. Um, I might first think... To myself and then say to somebody else, hopefully, am I in the middle of a psychotic break? <laughs> okay. That's that a question, would be I guess. part one. Okay. Depending on the answer, if the answer is yes, then I would say, 
Then you see that medical checks treatment. Out. Yeah, that, right. that makes a hundred. <laughs> I I get it, and please get me to the nearest please place where <laughs> a person who is having a psychotic break needs to go. Um, then, if the answer is no, then I would continue probably asking more questions about my mental state for a while. <laughs> Oh my god. And then if the answer keeps being no, 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 and then it's like, okay, so I am looking at a clone of myself and it is real and that is that is what I am seeing. Um Yeah, I would probably <laughs> I I would not feel great. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I mean, I'm also not quite sure what there is to do. Like, for example, in in this, Fontaine is trying to shoot at himself. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, he shoots. That would be my move. Well, one, I know that for me personally, I would not have a gun or weapon on me. So, like, even if that were my reaction, I couldn't do anything about it. Um. And what I, well, I will say what was interesting about this is like, he's like, that's not me. I'm me, you know? Um, and, and I don't even know if I would have that reaction if I saw it and was, and would be like, that's not me. That's some abomination or whatever. Like, um, right. I would be curious, like, have I feel like I would be well, – the one question I would ask, and not really because people would be like, what are you talking about? But I'd be like, have I been me this whole time? Like, oh, or, yeah, sure. Yeah. Or have my experiences been, like, through these other beings almost? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that would be a mind fuck. <laughs> For sure. Like, because, yeah, depending on the context of how you found this – double or mm-hmm. multiple doubles really multiples of you right um i think i'd also ask questions like well this is going back to that weird show we talked about where there was the guy who had a bunch of versions of himself but they had to grow up from children so right 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 i'd be like have i have i ever been a child always had a Right. right, like are are the memories that I think are my childhood are the are those real? Which is all is like whoa, and I mean it would all be a question of what is my reality? I guess oh like, for sure, yeah. You would be Kate Hudson in Glass Onion, being like, "What is reality?" <laughs> um, I think that's probably a highly normal reaction to that circumstance, yeah, for sure. And I think I might also be like. How, like, literally, how? Yeah. Did you do this? When did you collect oh, sure. my material, like my DNA? How long did this take? Mm-hmm. Like, because that's the other thing that I think is interesting here. Going back to even what we talked about at the top, which is what year is this? Because mm-hmm. as we move forward, it becomes kind of like how long has this been going on for? Like, 
it, the the conspiracy yeah. that's revealed, you know, it's like, how long has that been going on for? And the answer is, I don't know. Um, so there's a lot to process here. They end up coming up out from underground into the local strip club. Um, and as they're trying to get out of the club, the DJ working um, at the strip club activates a particular song. Um, I'm trying to think, is he this? Is he also another one of those clone like guys who's like white with a afro? I think he might be. Um, but anyway, uh, he puts on this song and we've already seen in the underground montage of the different experiments that they have been putting like subliminal messages into music. So in this case, this particular song makes everyone in the club kind of get like a, they almost seem like a zombie vibe to me, the way mm -hmm. they attack the three of them. Because the three of them get out of the club and into the car and start driving and then the entire club comes out and like they're not even running, they're just, there are just so many of them walking with such purpose, you're like, oh, you're fucked. Like, what these, is happening? These yeah. people are going to, oh, like, and that's what happens. They just kind of swarm the car. And so they have that's to, terrifying. so they can't drive away. They have to get out. They get out and a big black SUV drives up and out comes Kiefer Sutherland. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> What's he doing What's, here? This is about to get. Place. This is about to get weird because I know when Kiefer Sutherland's in a place, based on this podcast <laughs> alone, you're going to be in trouble when he shows up. Yeah. Um, in this case, his character's name is Nixon, which was not apparent from the movie. I learned that looking at IMDb. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, he explains to the three of them that his job is effectively being a cleaner for a larger entity that they saw a part of just mm -hmm. now. Um, and he describes what he's doing and or what that entity is doing as keeping the United States united. And that specifically this is done by keeping things the same. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't actually know if this is how he says it, but the way I wrote it in this outline is like by keeping everyone in their place. So mm. Slick Charles and Fontaine are clones because the Glenn needs pimps and dealers to kind of keep things even, not even keeled, keep things kind like of. Keep, keep the classes in the, like the statuses they are at, right? Yeah. Like so, yeah, to so keep, people can't rise up out of right. that life. And to keep the Glen dodgy, to keep it crime-ridden, yeah. um, to make it a place yeah. that is inhospitable to other people, particularly places that would be inhospitable to gentrification and white people moving in. That's their right. role. That's why there are so many of them is because, like, they also, you know, engage in things that are dangerous. So, right. like, if Fontaine makes somebody angry 
then we need another Fontaine, you know? So like mm. that's mm-hmm. the deal. Um, and uh, Kiefer Sutherland basically is like, okay, these are your options now that you've seen what you've seen. You can ignore everything and just go about your business. <laughs> or okay. you can be killed. Your choice. Okay, okay. Okay, <laughs> now I pose... I pose I pose that question to you if this were your reality and someone said you know this information ignore or mm-hmm. you get killed what are what are you choosing Oh I mean in the moment I would say thank you sir I will ignore this let me go home <laughs> And then you would not ignore it and... Well, I don't know what I would do. I think I would need to mull it over. Like, this is a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, of course. So... Yeah. I mean, I think, that's the, I think that's the fair... I think that's the fair response, like... Because as long as I'm not dead, I always have a chance have of making type. the right choice. That's so true. I'm just like, as long as I get out of there alive and if... To do that, if what I have to say is, I plan to ignore this, mm-hmm. then I, you know, then that's fine. Yeah, and, that's strategic. I get it. Yeah. And because at this point, I would know that they'd be watching me, right? So I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to act as though I am ignoring it. But that doesn't mean that I can't take a day, a week, a month, a year Sure, like and it, going and through it, the motions and thinking how, like, what I might want to do. Like, they can't right. know what's happening in my mind. They might have mind control at this point. But, like, the, uh, but the point being, like, you can ignore something and still know it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know that right. it's happening, but you're ignoring it. So it's, yeah. In this anyway. case, however... All three of them are like, we're not going to fucking ignore this. And <laughs> so uh, Kiefer Sutherland has like a, a goon called Chester that's there as well. Um, and Chester starts like threatening the three of them and they try and fight Chester. But then uh, Kiefer Sutherland says Olympia Black. And that makes... Fontaine and Slick Charles basically turn into zombies themselves because this is a failsafe that's been built into all of the clones that if you hear the phrase Olympia Black, um, you're going to be like the putty for anybody who says it. Like then you can be told what to Uh do. Um, Just a side note, I did Google Olympia Black. I'm not sure if this is what this is in reference to, but there is a sci-fi author called Olympia Black, so maybe that's a bit of a nod. Oh yeah, to her. I was about to, I was about to Google it myself. Yeah. Um, again, a la Groundhog Day, this whole scene transpires, and then Fontaine wakes back up in his home. Yo-Yo comes over and is like, "Well, we're not really gonna ignore this, are we?" And he's like, well, I don't know about we. I plan to ignore it. Um, (laughs) And he's basically like, and she's like, but this is wrong. Uh, We shouldn't be being experimented on. And he's like, there's nothing here that's worth saving. I don't care. Do whatever you want, but I'm going to ignore this. Um, Mm -hmm. So then we have a time-passing montage again. Um, 
And finally, we end back up at Fontaine's house. Um, He's starting to get upset because for him, the ignoring of problems is not working out, which is weird because I think ignoring my problems always works out great for me. It seems like the way to go. I don't know why anyone would do anything else. For sure. Um, And it's what a therapist would recommend, I think, as well. (laughs) So, and it never turns into like things bubbling over. A massive over or problem. <laughs> <laughs> you can ignore stuff forever, and it just never comes back up. It never comes back up, and definitely it never comes Mm-mm. back up on the holidays or your birthday or at a family event. That's when it really doesn't ever come back up. I think. no, never. You know. Um. That is not based on a personal story or many personal stories or anything <laughs> like that. Um, so anyway, uh, Fontaine has started to get flustered and upset. And so he knocks on his mom's door again and she still won't open up. And for whatever reason, this kind of incenses him. So he kicks in the door only to discover what presumably all of us have known from the start which is there is no one in that room. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a recording set up on a desk, which he then smashes the desk, smashes the recording, um, and freaks out uh, and is very upset. So this basically, I think, is meant to tell us this inspires him to his next plan of action. Mm-hmm. In the meantime... Yo-Yo has dressed up, according to the girl who sees her, dressed up like Carmen Sandiego (laughs) Um, to mail the information that she knows. I I couldn't see on the envelope that she sends, but I think she's sending it to some kind of like news outlet. She wants to send this information of what she knows. But unfortunately... As she is putting the envelope in the mailbox, a black SUV speeds by and takes her. Uh, Later, when Slick Charles and Fontaine are seeking out where Yo-Yo has gone, they ask a girl that I'm calling pink hair, but I'm, because, and I'm, that's not her name according to IMDb, but I can't quite figure out which of the actors listed here played her so her name would either be oh maybe it's biddy i think it's the actor is Temberla perry and i think her name in this one is biddy but she's got a big pink wig mm-hmm. on um and they mm-hmm. ask her what happened and she's like oh yeah she was wearing this carmen san diego get up and she looked great and it was really working for her and then she like seemed to disappear and they were like seemed to disappear a um so then they are like okay yo-yo's been taken and fontaine wants to just sort of like bust into under the underground compound and slick charles is like no man we need to come up with a smarter plan than that and so then they stand there for a while and then slick charles is like i've got one and fontaine's like oh really and he's like you are not gonna like this plan (laughs) So, we arrive at an abandoned lot, which turns out to be 
the hangout of the rival dealers that shot and killed a previous version of Fontaine earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. Fontaine goes to them and he's basically asking for their help to uh, raid this underground bunker to save Yo-Yo. And the other dealer is like, he also has a good line. He's like, so you're telling me that underneath us right now is a whole complex full of Bill Nye motherfuckers doing experiments on us. <laughs> and and uh, is like, yes, that is what I'm saying. And the guy's like, I do not believe you. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, so that d- guy shoots Fontaine and dumps his body along the side of the road, which is then picked up by a black SUV. Mean, well, not meanwhile. Then we go into the underground bunker and we watch Fontaine, who we thought was dead, wake up and unzip himself out of the body bag. So then we learn that, in fact, this is all part of the plan. This is what Slick Charles came up with. He's like... We are going to arrange it so it looks like that you die so that you can end up in the underground bunker and start looking for Yo-Yo. Meanwhile, I will gather the cavalry is what he says and then we'll attack the bunker from the outside and come down and help you. Um, So then we have a very funny bit where like um, because they don't want the people who are watching them to know that they're making this plan, they use pink hair sex worker to go back and forth between Fontaine and the rival dealer. And she pretends that she's like giving them a hand job and she pretends that she's giving them a blow job. And meanwhile, she's telling, she's like communicating the plan between the two guys because they can't be seen talking to each other. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the rival dealer is practicing his line about the Bill Nye motherfuckers with his friends. And the <laughs> guy, the, the friend he's practicing with is like, no, man, you got to work harder at it. And he's like, okay, so it's like training day or Book of Eli. And you're like, oh, he's trying to do a Denzel version of this. Um, so very good. Uh, and it all goes to plan. Uh, Fontaine ends up in the underground bunker where he's supposed to be. Meanwhile, the various pimps and drug dealers from the Glen attack from above. Similarly, Yo-Yo, who is being experimented on with this new level of powerful perm cream, she attacks the scientists who are testing on her because, of course, like many a black woman, she's actually wearing a wig. She's been wearing a wig this whole time. So the perm cream that they're putting, that they think is on her head, is not touching her. Um, So then everything is going nuts in this underground bunker. Um, Fontaine has a confrontation with the goon called Chester, which eventually involves him getting knocked out and dragged away from the melee. Meanwhile, 
Uh, Slick Charles and Yo-Yo have a confrontation with Kiefer Sutherland in the clone room where they eventually end up killing him. Um, Fontaine, when he comes to, is now in an office and has been introduced to the lead geneticist of this program. And who is the lead geneticist? Uh, I can't remember. It's an old version of Fontaine. Oh, right, right, right. You know what's interesting about this actor, for me, who plays Fontaine? I forget his name already. John Boyega. He, yeah. He, he's an interesting choice for a movie about clones because I found him, he looked so different as each version of himself that I sometimes <laughs> did have to be like, is that still him? Is that ah. supposed to be him? Like, I, I had moments, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, yes, it, it wasn't, like, unclear, I suppose, but I do feel like he, he has a face where, like, it kind of changes, like, with yeah. all different, like, hairstyles and stuff that he has, I was, like, not 100% sure it was him every time. <laughs> sure. I guess I, I kind of see that in the sense that I kept looking at him in this role, and I was like, I don't see Finn from Star Wars at all, like... Yeah, this looks I like definitely a totally forgot that was who that was from that. Like, yeah, um, and I guess it just goes to show, per or what I was even saying last night, to, because I've dyed my hair to red. Like um, people actually don't pay attention to details about other people, and so <laughs> a change of hair or putting on glasses is like, and now I don't see you. Or you look, you're a different person, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Or like, so. or it's so. Um, people are so wrapped up in their own thing that uh, for, that it reminds me of like an episode. Nobody cares, but it reminds me of an episode of Friends where like Chandler gets glasses and he's like, "Do you guys notice anything?" And they're all like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "I got yeah. glasses." And they and they're literally all like, "You always had glasses." And he's like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like our mind like makes things up about people's appearance, and then like, sure, I don't know. I'm not sure what my point is there, but uh, we're all just like so self centered that we don't know what's going on with other people. <laughs> that that is fair. Um, in this case, the, re the big reveal or twist, or I don't know that it's a twist, maybe it's a reveal, is that the lead geneticist, because the whole thing is like building up to this moment, everyone who seems to be running this underground program is white. And so you're like, white people are doing this to black people, this is yeah. all part of a thing. But in fact, now the reveal is that the person who is like one of the most important architects to this system is a black guy who cloned himself and 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 chose to make the clone of himself the drug dealer of the neighborhood like which is, is so a weird set of choices um yeah he then reveals old fontaine reveals that he started he got into this program that he's a part of because his little brother Ron died. So that is a real mm. memory 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, and for for whatever reason, it was important to me that all of the clones have that memory as well. But he he says mm-hmm. to Fontaine, he's like, but you don't have the complete memory. Um, Interesting. And he talks about how, like, because, yeah, that's what it was. His younger brother was shot by police. Mm. And he tells the rest of the story, which is like, you don't remember going to the hospital, do you? You don't remember, like, identifying Mm -hmm. your brother. And so this old version of Fontaine has this very painful story of, when his brother was, when they were like, can you identify your brother? He was still covered in blood. And so he like cleans off Oof. the blood and all this stuff. Really terrible. And he's like, that's what inspired me to do this work. And that specifically. That is an interesting choice. I, I Yeah, I don't necessarily see a direct line of logic because then... <laughs> The reveal of what the work is, is that, like, and, and it's unclear, like, when this program began, but mm-hmm. the initial program began such that the goal of this project was to keep the United States functioning by keeping everyone separate and, most importantly, the same. And so mm-hmm. even though that even though what we've been seeing in this movie is what is happening in a black American uh Atlanta urban context he also talks about like Latinos and Asian Americans and basically it sound he's like yeah cuz he says he's like this is happening in you know, like Spanish Harlem and this is happening in Chinatowns and this, you know, like that each Mm -hmm. kind of um, racial population has been purposefully segmented and kept to its own spaces. Um, And that that has been the goal of this program. Again, it's unclear for how long, Mm -hmm. but that that has been perceived as the way to keep the United States chugging along basically smoothly. Hmm. He also reveals that in the process of doing this work, he's determined that a total of 378 genes are what separate the various racial groups in the United States. And so he's like, I I am now taking the project that I was given and improving it because he reveals to Fontaine, because there's like, I couldn't tell if these were actual meant to be like human beings in those weird little like cryogenic chambers or if it was just like a photographic rendering of what he was hoping mm-hmm. to do. But basically, old Fontaine reveals that his new plan is to genetically modify non-white people to turn them white. Yikes. And he reveals that these these white guys with afros that have been like showing up again and again oh, in the movie, this. he's like that's our first test case. Yikes. Yeah. And he says he Ooh. passes. You know, like People look at him strangely, but he passes. 
Um, so that is Yikes. what Old Fontaine has decided to do. When current Fontaine says, like, that's, like, literally insane, what are you talking about? <laughs> old, old Fontaine then responds with, assimilation is better than annihilation. You know, like... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That this I is the of, way I I that we like, will survive. checked out. Right? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's wild. And um, it certainly speaks to a lot of the stuff that I've, like, done my research on and stuff. Um, but, yeah, for me, I was kind of waiting to... I was like, I bet it's not going to be like a mean white guy who's at the tip of this spear. It's going to be some kind of surprise, quote unquote, thing. Um, But needless to say, Fontaine does not agree (laughs) with this decision to Mm -hmm. slowly turn black people. And presumably, because he talks about other races as well, presumably... Somebody is working with all of those populations to try and turn them white, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And so Fontaine is not a fan of that choice. The That's Goon fair. Chester, <laughs> yes, the Goon Chester has been standing around listening to this whole exchange the whole time. So Fontaine then says Olympia Black and has Chester kill old Fontaine. Um, and so the final bits of the movie are now, as is often the case, we're told via a news broadcast what has happened. The storming of the underground bunker had concluded, um, (coughs) naked and confused people are starting to like just emerge up out of the ground in various parts of the Glen, um, the the consensus is that these are clones. Um, and this mm-hmm. is another good jokey bit where, like, so they're cutting to different, like, broadcasters talking about it. And then at one point, it's this very, like, nerdy-looking middle-aged white guy being, like, and so what they're saying. And then there's this guy who is, like, clearly, like, doing a live stream on his phone. And he's like, they got clones out here. You got to be down here. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, and then the newscaster is like, what he said. <laughs> um, um, and so then uh, Slick Charles, Yo-Yo, and Fontaine find each other out in this melee on the street, and they decide that they're going to start over and move to Memphis and, you know, like create, create a new lives for themselves there. Then we get the kind of title card. They cloned Tyrone. And in the final moments of the movie, we're at a different house where somebody who looks like Fontaine wakes up and does quite a lot of the same types of things that Fontaine did for his day. Only now he's going to a different convenience store um, and has a diff- he's got different tattoos. His clothes are different. And so qu- very quickly... As a viewer, you know he's in Los Angeles rather than LA or rather than Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so he comes back home, he's hanging out on the couch with his boys, and they are watching the news. And then all of a sudden one of the guys is like, Tyrone, is that you? And we see 
that Fontaine in Atlanta was Tyrone in LA. And that is the end of the movie, which concludes with an Erica Badu song that's called, they, I think her song is even called They Clone Tyrone, but wait, let me just, Erica Badu Tyrone. I feel like they said something about her in the... Yeah, because, okay, that's what I thought, because one of her super famous songs is just called Tyrone, Um, and so this was like a spoof of that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, it says, Erica Badu's... Who cloned um, Tyrone? That's, yeah, that's the uh, version in this one. Yeah, it says uh, her original song had nothing to do with the Netflix movie. Uh, For the movie, however, she changed her original Tyrone to clone Tyrone and even altered its lyrics to make it more suitable for the movie's overarching themes. Her song plays towards the film's closing moments and seems perfectly synced. So I think it sounds like she may have re-recorded a different, like, version Version. for this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, that's pretty funny because I remembered that was one of her big songs in the first place, was Tyrone. Yeah. Um, so, funny. yeah, like, I, yeah, I really liked those uh, pop culture references throughout because it does kind of, I guess I would say, like, create the sense that this is the real world, the, wor- the world that we live in as well, you know. Um, but so... We're now on to yawns and eye rolls. In terms of yawns, one yawn is this was scintillating and electric. And ten yawns is like this was stultifying and stagnant. (laughs) What would you say? Um... I will say, full disclosure, it took me a few chunks of watching this. It was, Mm. it's about 30 minutes too long for me. Sure. (laughs) Um, So I, like, I definitely, because of some of my inability to understand everything they were saying or talking about, and I didn't care to do anything about that, like subtitles, I was taken out of it a bit at some time, so therefore got bored. Um, Hmm. so I would say probably like a three or four for me. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I would be a little more leaning to a three, um, Mm -hmm. mainly because I was pretty engaged, but I, I agree with you that it seemed long. So it would be nice if it could have been like cut at least. Just tighten it up guys. Just tighten it up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then for eye rolls, one eye roll is... This was a world that was well executed. And 10 eye rolls is like, this is a world that made no fucking sense. Uh, what would you give it? Mm, that's tough. Because I feel like at times it was a world that was well executed. And then there were other points where I felt like it made no sense. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, so I feel like it kind of is both ends of the spectrum there so I guess in that case I would say like a five like the the difference 
Yeah, for me, again, I had a, a better experience maybe because I, I watched it all in one shot for the most part. Um, <laughs> or no, I think I watched half of it and then I needed to eat dinner and then I watched the other half of it. Um, yeah. So I guess I will do another three where for the most part, I thought this was a fairly coherent and well put together world. Um, yeah. Like I didn't, even though there were maybe plot questions I would have had, I didn't like, I, I got it a lot better than some of the other things where I'm like, I just don't understand, like, even though I don't know what year this movie takes place. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I'm like, okay, I, like, I get it. Like, you want to keep things mm-hmm. chugging along the same. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Got it. Noted. Moving on. <laughs> Noted. So... Finally, did you like this and would you recommend it? Hmm. That's that's tough. Did I like it? I wasn't angry about it. I'll say that. <laughs> Which for Which is this an podcast, improvement is saying something. Lately. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't angry at it or about it. I think I would I do think, like, talking through it, I realize more some of the, like, more interesting elements that I don't think I maybe got just by myself. Sure. Um, so I guess it, I would say it's good for people to see. It's interesting. It's very... Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> yeah, I guess I guess I would. I don't. I don't know. It would be, like... I didn't love watching it, but I do think it was well done <laughs> at the same time. Like, sure. I, I can tell it's well done. I just don't know if it's, like, for me. Um, That's fair. Uh, so I, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one. I'm not sure that I liked it, and I'm not a positive how, how I would recommend it. But sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, my I would to that. say... I would say I liked it, um, not as strongly as I've liked other things, but I liked it well mm-hmm. enough. Um, and I think I would recommend it, and I think the reason I would recommend it is because, especially in the context of this podcast, we just don't get we don't get a lot of. Um, diversity in the land of science fiction often. Um, And so for that alone, it is valuable in that sense. Um, And I like supporting a a younger director and somebody who got their work out there. And I think it's for a first like movie and directorial debut type of thing, like I think pretty damn solid. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Even if it's not my like favorite thing in the world or it's not my style, like definitely well done for sure and I think like part of the reason I would recommend it aside from just like you know see more things with black casts and like black producers and writers and directors um aside from that Mm -hmm. it's like it really is I think put together nicely there's quite a even though it's hard to catch it all there's like a lot of funny turns of phrase and like clever yeah. writing, um, and that too is worth a look just to. I just remember. See, 
yeah, I just remembered another line. I'm not sure if they say it quite like this, but at one point, well, the first time um, Jamie Foxx sees a live Fontaine after he's seen him dead, he calls him a ghost of Christmas past motherfucker, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, another yeah, yeah. time that made me laugh. Yeah, so there's, like, plenty of that. So, and even though the overall subject matter is pretty heavy, pretty dark, I didn't, this was not as funny as I thought it was going to be, but I didn't end the movie super bummed out either. So that was, to me, that's part of why I would recommend. Because I'm like, this is not going to, like, leave you being like, oh, God, the state of race relations in the U.S. today. You know, like, it's just like. No, it's not. It doesn't um, have that vibe. It's not, like, sunny and rainbows and everything is perfect, but, like, but it doesn't have the. The like hopelessness vibe that some things could have, right? Like realm. it's not, it's not like when you watch Get Out as a white person, and then you like feel like you need to just and like you, like feel sit horrible. quietly for a while, <laughs> like you know, in <laughs> in shock and horror. Um, yeah, it's not like that, and so that too is Although is I a love reason Get to out. recommend. Like I, yeah. But so anyway, I guess give it a watch. This is on Netflix. It should be easy for anybody to access fairly well. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is all we got to say about They Cloned Tyrone. I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.